Welcome, everyone, to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good, man. Today's feels kind of like a weird day to me. I don't know. Things have been too slow. Twitter has been like eerie and not a lot going on. But surprisingly, there's still there's still some cool news coming out. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, echoing that that kind of sentiment, Twitter's kind of been quiet lately, except Eric Connor just came back from his two week Japan trip, which means that Twitter is now picking up again. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> at least for me, because basically I engage with Eric so often that like every single tweet that he tweets comes comes onto my feed. So it's good to have him back. Good to have you back, Eric. Man, me and you have equal and opposite relationships with Eric Connor. <laughs> Didn't notice he was gone at all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. So before we get into the episode, we need to shout out to our sponsors, starting with Haven app. If you guys have not yet downloaded the Haven app, go do so. It's a place where you can buy and sell stuff with crypto, specifically no dollars allowed on on Haven app. There's no Venmo, there's no ACH, there's no credit cards. It's all crypto. And because it's crypto, you don't actually have to sign up. Uh, it's actually kind of cool. Uh, you don't need to input your email address or make a password or an account or anything. You just have a wallet that you send funds to, and then that's the funds that you use to buy stuff. So pretty cool app. Lots of good stuff on there. Go check it out. By this point, you guys all know about our sponsor, eToro. eToro has been in the game of bringing financial inclusiveness and new inter- inter- innovative uh, financial products globally, and they are bringing some awesome crypto products to the United States. Uh, one of the ones that comes off the top of my head is their copy trader feature. Essentially, uh, with this feature inside the eToro app, you can follow any trader that is on the platform, and you can allot any sum of money to copy trade how they trade. So personally, I'm more of a sat sacker, so um, I will probably be creating my own copy trader account so you can stack sats with me three times a day and on every, on every dip. But um, if you want to take a different strategy, there are traders out there doing every single strategy imaginable. So eToro.com, you can give us credit for sending you in that direction, b.tc backslash eToropov eToro, we need to get a better vanity handle, but regardless, use that one so we get credit. Check out eToro and follow me so you can stack stats like the best of them. And so we want to do something a little bit different uh, because this is actually going to bleed right into the first topic of the episode, but we're going to do something called a reverse ad, which um, Eric Weinstein, I think, pioneered in his uh, podcast, The Portal. Um, Good podcast, nothing to do with crypto though, so don't listen to it. Um, and so what a reverse ad is, is it's an attempt to convince a company to become an advertiser with us. And we want to do a reverse ad for Wire. Now, if you guys haven't heard, Wire's done this cool new thing where they have integrated Google Pay and Apple Pay and allow you to use those two uh, payment processors to buy crypto uh, directly. And you can get it within, within like two minutes. And so I actually did this. I used their new payment portal. I love Apple Pay, so it really works out well for me. Uh, and so I, I bought $50 worth of DAI, and it showed up in my Ethereum wallet like two minutes later. And the reason why that they can allow credit card transactions uh, is because they because uh, Google Pay and Apple Pay use biometric like assurances, like look at your face or, uh, or your fingerprint. And so it's kind of like a version of KYC 
because they your your biometrics are there, and so they can have this assurance that your credit card transaction transaction isn't going to be reversed, and you actually can't reverse it because you authorize it with Google Pay or Apple Pay, and this is a really cool, a really necessary addition to the on ramp world of crypto, uh, because we can get instant access to uh, to crypto funds, and if you need to go and do something in the world of crypto, so go check out Wire. Uh, if you have Apple Pay or Google Pay, uh, you know, play with it. Buy five dollars worth of Dai or something. Send it to your wallet. It'll show up moments later. Uh, unfortunately, it's only available in the United States right now, but it'll it'll open up later. Yeah, and I am also a very big fan of Wire. This has been just a company building really, really useful fiat to crypto infrastructure, particularly BTC and ETH infrastructure. Um, but almost every single app that you're using today that is built in the U.S. and that is like servicing some sort of uh, BTC to USD transfer has wire happening in the back end. This company is just everywhere, and yet they're so quiet and they don't do any marketing and they're just ch kind of chilling and just changing the game by shipping amazing products. Um, I know that <clears throat> there are going to be other kind of like non-custodial apps that start using Wire's API in order to also, you know, just bring really easy Apple Pay, Google Pay, boom, spend your fiat, get your Bitcoin into your wallet without even going to a custodian or anything like that. So these are the guys that are making that transition between uh, fiat to the new crypto world possible and easy and smooth huge fan and we would love to rep them i think that this is the perfect show to rep wire uh so mike i'm like down the street from you here in sf hit me up let's go <laughs> uh so i mean this is bullish for crypto at large but this is particularly bullish for ethereum apps uh, because uh, if you want to use an Ethereum app, you need either Ether or Dai to begin with. Like that's 90% of our useful apps are need Ether or Dai for engagement. Uh, and specifically, the one that, that comes to mind is Augur. So say you're, you're looking at something that will happen, the World Series, presidential election, something that you want to take a bet on, and you haven't heard of Augur yet. And then you stumble upon Augur and you see that Donald Trump is, has a 75% chance of getting reelected. And you don't think that that chance is, reflects reality. So you want to take the other side of that bet. If you want to bet on Augur, you need to go and sign up with Coinbase or Gemini. You need to transfer funds. It takes three to six days. And then you, need to, and then you can use Augur like three to six days later. We are not in a world of three to six days later. We are in a world of instant gratification. And so what Wire just built is a three to six minutes later or less, you have a bet placed on Augur and you had never even heard of Ethereum before. Uh, and so it gets really, really useful, uh, makes Ethereum dApps much more useful and start, uh, starts to allow them to kind of be abstracted away um, and, and kind of make them operate in the background. And so... Uh, Wire's new innovation, which is using Google Pay and Apple Pay to do this, really makes Ethereum applications really useful. I think it's really funny that uh, Joey Krug and Pantera Capital are investors in both Augur and Wire. So when Augur released that product, or when Wire released that product, like both of their investments just like became super more valuable at the same time. Joey Krug was probably like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Very elegant, super more valuable. Um, super yeah, it, more valuable. It, it, I, like stuff like Rainbow Wallet or Argent Wallet or whatever. Like mm -hmm. the next step is add the API in and then boom, right? You have your Web3 wallet, has this API mm -hmm. 
user just clicks on the thing and then double clicks face scan they have their their crypto asset um i think this you know i disagree that this is especially bullish for ethereum i think this is just bullish for any blue chip crypto that has liquidity and any sort of reason for people to buy into uh, there's a lot of bitcoin lightning games going out oh, there are you know surprisingly more and more merchants accepting bitcoin as well i don't know why you would spend your bitcoin uh, unless you really had to if you're in the us you definitely you don't need to um but Regardless, you know, all of these places, uh, you know, let's say the example, you go into a pot dispensary, the option option one is to, you know, use an ATM, uh, have like a, a $3 fee or whatever. Option two is, you know, buy some Bitcoin, buy some DAI instantly, boom, they accept it, you're good to go. So it's not just in the auger world, it's, it's, it's really everywhere. And uh, having this like very easy way to go from um, fiat world into crypto world and have it frictionless and not have to wait three to six days to three weeks to get kyc gemini <laughs> i'm looking at you bro um you know that that's a game changer for sure for sure especially for just in-app experiences like that like that more than anything is just going to be a game Absolutely. changer and it's not even just like an innovation for crypto this is an innovation in the greater payments world uh like not crypto related at all Payments are now totally revolutionized by this type of uh, innovation. I don't know enough to be able to speak more about it, but if you guys want to hear more about this subject, you should totally listen to the Wires uh, podcast episode specifically about this subject. Um, they, they go into de into details about it. Super good episode. Oh, I need to catch that. I mean, personally for me, like I love using Apple Pay when I'm mm -hmm. just going to the grocery store or whatever. Mm -hmm. First of all, you don't have to bring your wallet around. But second of all, you don't have to sign or mm -hmm. get a receipt or nothing. Yep. It's just like mm -hmm. boom, boom, boom. It's just such a smooth experience. Yeah. So I use my phone to like call myself into my apartment, which means like when I go to the grocery store and I walk down the street, I don't leave my house with anything other than my phone. It's got my money on it. It's my access to my apartment. Like it's everything. It's kind of nice. Yeah, it's badass. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. The future is heading in a, in a good direction, and eventually mm -hmm. there'll be some crazy, like, just private key uh, situation going on, mm -hmm. and that's always the case. Like, I'm excited for my keys and my wallet to get out of my pocket, mm -hmm. so I, know I need to carry mm -hmm. less things. Unfortunately, my car is from 1972, so my keys will, for that car will never be on my phone, but other than that. <laughs> hey, that car is badass, though. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, um, can't put that on the chain. <laughs> Kind of on, kind of on the same uh, thought wave as Wire and uh, their API. Uh, two companies in the Bitcoin space are also doing something pretty similar, not with Apple Pay in in general, but with other existing uh, banking infrastructure to make it super easy uh, to go with, uh, you know, your existing debit card or with your existing Zelle account, which is kind of like Venmo inside your banking app. So I have Chase; it's inside of my Chase app. Um, but, uh, essentially the company zap, which, uh, rockstar dev alluded to a couple episodes back, uh, they made it really easy for you to go straight from fiat into lightning again, similar to the wire app instantaneously. And with minimal KYC, you just put in your debit card and, you know, he kind of negotiated for only your debit card strictly to be your KYC, which is kind of huge and a kind of along the lines of uh, Apple Pay or Google Pay, allowing you to buy crypto. Um, you don't have to like, go through this very invasive process of sending them pictures and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, and the next one is Iterative Capital. They released, this is like a mining company and OTC desk, but they released a, a buying Bitcoin app. It's called 
E-S-C-H-E-R, Esther. They literally announced it like two days ago at the Lightning Conference, but it's going to be Zelle to Bitcoin or Zelle to Lightning uh, with no KYC, um, just going straight from your Zelle account, and you get it instantly. So I think you can do up to $2,000 with like Turbo ACH or something like that same day. So it's just getting easier and easier to get into Bitcoin. I mean, this will for sure bleed into Ethereum as well. Um, but, you know, if you're talking about 2017 uh, onboarding versus 2019, 2020, 2021 onboarding, like, holy shit, the floodgates have just been lifted. It's crazy. Yeah. I remember in the middle of the, the mania of 2017, like Coinbase was taking three, four weeks to KYC people because they just could not get people through fast enough. Uh, I mean, imagine what happens when the bull market, when if, if another mania happens again, like and all of these onboarding routes are just super seamless, like retail is just going to yeah. come flooding. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, there'll just be, there'll be nothing holding them back. Uh-huh. Would you like to put $5,000 of Bitcoin on your credit card? Why, yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. As long as you use your biometrics, it's cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyways. Uh, all right. Well, on to more serious news. Um, recently, Davis, or Davis, recently, David put out an article about EIP 1559. David, you've talked about this EIP a lot of times. Can you kind of give the listeners a quick breakdown on what this is and why you're excited about it. Yeah, so EIP-1559, one of the many brainchilds of Vitalik, but this time it was kind of spearheaded by uh, Eric Connor, who actually formalized it into an EIP. It changes... Huh? Yeah, your two favorite people. (laughs) The two people trying to bring down... I love everyone. Yeah. And so what it does is it changes up the way that we pay transaction fees to get block inclusions. Uh, So the way that we pay transaction fees now is you have um, your gas, how much gas is going to cost, and then you pay uh, your gas fee, which is how much, uh, it's like a a ratio, like for every unit of gas, how much units of ether are you going to pay for that? Um, And so that's really complicated, especially with how gas is calculated. It's really complicated. And users don't really need to know it at all. It's not necessary for them, but they they have to input some number in order to get included. And so like... If, you're, if you've been using Ethereum frequently, you've kind of memorized like, okay, like one GUI is enough if the network's not uh, clogged. And if it is clogged, you need to go up to five to 20. And if you need it immediately, you need to go to 50. Like that's what you would have settled on if you have been using Ethereum as much as I have, which is like over a thousand transactions. Um, but that's a terrible user experience. And uh, Eric Connor in his first uh, article, which everyone should read to if they want to hear more about this, ta- uh, illustrated how um, pe- people who pay uh, for gas are overpaying by like 90%, uh, some t- like a decent amount of the time. And so EIP-1559 fixes this, but it also does a bunch of other cool stuff. So the way that EIP-1559 actually solves this problem is really genius. And it kind of feels, it's kind of similar to Bitcoin's difficulty adjustment, but for prices of price to get included and so there's this number that is in the protocol built into the protocol that goes up or down depending on how congested the network is and so if the network is more than 50 percent congested it goes up and if it's less than 50 percent congested it goes down uh, and we call this base fee or min fee minimum fee and 
in order to uh, process a transaction, you have to pay base fee. Everyone pays the same base fee. And then this new tip is uh, put on top of base fee, and that's what goes to the validators. And base fee is just like the, the ticket for, for entry, and then the tip on top of that is the uh, skipping the line. And so that kind of replaces the old uh, auction system of, of bidding for um, block space, and it just kind of minimizes it and makes it a small little tip instead of the whole entire thing. Uh, and the cool thing, actually before, before I get into why this is so cool, People, people might ask, okay, well, aren't you just doing the same thing? Because if you can pay to get ahead of the line in the current method, and then there's just this base fee and tip thing in the second method, how is that any different? Like, aren't people just going to be bidding up and down the tip to get included? And uh, what it does is it kind of stabilizes the what's required in base fee. So we all know exactly what's required to get included in, in the block. And so tipping it doesn't need to be so volatile. And this is where we get that savings, that efficiency that we don't like grossly overpay because um, you only need to tip a small amount or maybe a little bit more than a small amount. And that's going to be the difference between getting included relatively soon or getting included immediately. And so it stabilizes the base, the, the foundation. I'm not explaining this very well, but it's kind of hard to do it without um, the article. But it's stable. Uh, it, it, the, because there's this base fee, like tipping only has to be a little bit. Uh, and so it's the tip that will let you skip the line. And base fee, importantly, is burned. And so base fee doesn't go to the validators. Only tips go to the validators. And the reason why we do this is a bunch of game theory um, killing mechanisms. So just like uh, if, if a base fee went to the validators, validators could stuff the blockchain with a bunch of transactions and increase the congestion and then tips would go up. So we eliminate that possibility by just burning the base fee. And validators only get tips. And like if you're a Bitcoiner, you're like, well, or maybe if just in general, you're like, well, should they get all of everything? Should they be paid all of it? Because that's how we pay for security. But Ethereum pays for security with uh, block rewards. And so they shouldn't get both block rewards and all of the tip. They just need to have, we need to have minimal viable issuance. And because Ethereum pays for its security ahead of time with block rewards, uh, we, own, we don't need to pay them all of the transaction fee. And so base fees burned. And so what that does is that puts a damper on issuance. It's a downward pressure on issuance. And so as Ether, Ethereum is more and more used and more and more congested and more and more utilized, base fee is burning more and more Ether to be a counteractive force to the block rewards. Uh, and so there's going to be this new ratio that comes out, this new metric that's going to be the Ether burn rate and then the Ether burn issue ratio. And, uh, you know, in theory, when we're when uh, Ethereum 2 and all of its shards are out and, and running, and perhaps if all of them are pretty heavily utilized, we could actually have negative issuance of Ether. It could actually be going down because of how much Ether that base fee is burning. That's the dream. That's the vision. And that's why EIP-1559 is so cool. So while you're kind of talking, of course, my role is to uh, to be the skeptic here. So I've come up with a couple of different things that, mm -hmm. uh, just some curveballs. But before, before I get into them, I'm kind of curious. So in Bitcoin, um, you can always do, uh, you know, one Satoshi per byte transaction. So minimum fee transaction and just, mm -hmm. just wait, wait for the mempool to empty. That could be weeks from now. That could be, you know, that can be in a couple hours if it's just not busy. Um, obviously that's, 
disgustingly cheap at the moment. Um, but, um, you know, ultimately you can have the lowest fee possible and just choose to wait a long time. Like this is just not an urgent transaction whatsoever. Maybe you're uh, consolidating UTXOs or whatever, which is something that you need to do in Bitcoin, not Ethereum. Um, like in that similar scenario, like, is there a, t- like, could you say, Hey, base fee is too high right now, yeah, yes, I, but I want to put it in a transaction eventually mm-hmm. when base fee is lower. How does that work? So no, ex- exactly as you explained it. You say, okay, I'll make this transaction when base fee reaches this number, like when it goes down to this number. So like, it's just like if the Ethereum network is congested right now and the like average block inclusion transactions are for 20 Gwei, you can put in a transaction for 10 Gwei and it'll go through when, when there's finally room for it. And it's the same thing with base fees. Like if the base fee is too high, you can just pay the base fee that you want to pay and then it'll get included when the base fee drops to that point, if it drops to that point. So I guess where this makes a lot of sense to me is like, for example, like at least again, bringing up Bitcoin, like people have started visualizing fees uh, and to show like how like hard set fees inside wallets and stuff like that like essentially force people to overpay when they really don't have to, when the mempool is empty mm-hmm. um, and just shows like how fee estimation is whack. So essentially what this is mm-hmm. doing is it's making it so the Ethereum protocol is telling the wallets what the necessary, mm-hmm. like what the fee needs to be. The market rate. Right? Yeah. It, it mm-hmm. kind of like organizes it rather than it just being completely random and based on whatever the wallet estimator is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. Uh, where this becomes kind of troubling to me is actually in the idea of like it, at least to me and tell me where I'm wrong, but this seems to me like it, it creates seniorage, right? And do you want to define seniorage first, just for people that don't know? Yeah. So sen- seniorage means that there is a privileged group of people that get inflation first, mm-hmm. right? So they get the benefit of money printing. Um, Mm -hmm. right now when money is printed, it goes into their hands. Yeah. So let's just say, you know, there's a thousand economic units in the economy. Um, these few people, um, get the money first. So now they print 10 new economic units and they buy a house for, you know, the price of a house. All of a sudden there's a thousand and ten economic units in the, in the ecosystem. They got a benefit of printing money out thin air and getting a real asset um, and then that money kind of got dispersed throughout the ecosystem over time later, but they already got the benefit. So that's that's seniorage. Essentially, someone gets money first and then can spend it first before uh, you know it properly gets priced into the ecosystem and gets priced you know accordingly. Um, so I kind of see this making a strange scenario where it can kind of create seniorage in the ETH ecosystem is because it takes ETH out of the user's hands and then it reallocates the ETH into validators, right? So, I mean, you would argue that, you know, anyone can choose to be a validator, but really like think about it, like it's taking supply out via users by burning it, but that supply is re-entering only through validators, right? So it kind of is, it's like reconcentrating wealth into validators specifically by burning used ETH and then by pumping fresh ETH into strictly validators. And I just see that having kind of negative macro consequences um, in concentration of Ether to validators. So I'm a little little confused because that seems like the right criticism for proof of stake, but EIP-1559 is 
a force that reduces that. And so because we are paying validators less and we are instead burning ether, we are specifically not paying them all of what is paid. And so like what, what, um, what base fee is in my, in my mind, base fee is overpaying the, the amount of ether paid in a transaction fee that is overpaying for security because we've already paid for security with block rewards base fee is like the above and beyond amount. And so by not giving it to validators and instead by burning base fee, what we're doing is we're paying everyone who holds ETH equally. So that's that's like what the burning mechanism is. It's like it's like a stock buyback. And so like when Ethereum generates enough security that it's pulling in extra revenue above and beyond what it needs to pay validators instead of paying validators more, like miners, Bitcoin miners in 2017 made an absolute killing when transaction fees were like $50. In this case, in in EIP 1559's model, if transaction fees are super expensive, validators aren't being paid more ether. Uh, more ether is being burned, and so it's being distributed f more fairly than than if we had just spe specifically paid validators. Totally no, and, and I see why you think that that is more equitable is to burn, right? But what you're saying is that, like, look, you're saying that fees aren't going to pay for security, inflation mm -hmm. is going to issuance is going to mm -hmm. issuance, not inflation, mm -hmm. issuance. It's fucking inflation, but no, 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 issuance inflation is, is strictly different issuance is paying for security right so issuance only goes to validators but everyone is burning everyone is burning so like this this equal force of burning to issuance that you think is going to eventually become like uh de uh what's it called uh deflationary everyone gets burned only validators get the issuance are you seeing where that's coming from right so it's like it's not even like at least like at least with like uh the theoretical bitcoin model is that you know miners get paid to do their service but no one i guess like you know no one is accumulating the incoming ether or the incoming uh like the incoming block award without having to also sell it out um i, I don't know like i i i, I can't, i'm kind of talking in circles here but i just kind of see where like Money is being sucked out of the hole, and then it's being reinserted into the few. That's that is the general thought. Wait, wait. So I, I still want to I still want to go back and separate because this again this is a proof of stake criticism. And EIP one five five nine. I know it says burning, and so it's taking it out of the hands of people, but it was coming out of their hands anyways. Like it was already going to the validators, and and this is what's happening currently in the current model in the in the in the proof of work model. It's like there's a block rewards. And all 100% of all the fee is going to validators, and now only like 10% of the fee is going to validators. So it's it, this is a this is a proof of stake criticism, or no, not even a proof of stake. This is a block reward issue uh, criticism. Um, and so as far as yeah, do you want to hop in before I go? Well, on? I mean, I guess you're right. Like I I think that proof of stake is inherently flawed because of those things and i don't really see that this improves it in any super meaningful way like it's still concentrating mm -hmm. ether into the validators because they're the only ones that get issuance so inherently flawed like that kind of that that kind of alludes to like at some point its logical conclusion will force ethereum to break but i think if we compare this to uh, a traditional nation state economy it's a 1 billion x improvement because 
Like now every single person who's a validator can take part in validation and take part in the issuance of Ethereum, of Ether in Ethereum by working for the protocol. So validators are just like miners in the sense that they are employees for the protocol. So now instead of the Federal Reserve and the, and the 12 chairman and all of their banking friends, when they mint money, it goes to them. Instead, with Ethereum, when we mint money, it goes to the employees of the protocol, which could be anyone from any country anywhere in the world equally. And so, like, we already know that this model has worked for nation-state economies, and now we're kind of copying it, but we're cutting out the corruption and the, you know, the backdoor dealings, and we're making it possible for everyone to do it. So, like, inherently flawed is, like, I don't say it inherently flawed. I think it's, like, maybe it doesn't fit your ideal model of what the best money would be but i still think it's a huge vast improvement especially when we talk about like a, a self-sovereign internet economy it's a huge improvement from what we have in its current form and at the same time like i think what you're you're what you're making a moral argument right like i think that it would be better if there wasn't seniorage and if there wasn't ether being paid to validators but that does not have any implication as to whether or not this is going to work and i think because the way that it, it incentivizes people to buy 32 Ether and become validators, like regardless of equal and equitable distribution of capital, it's definitely going to work when it go, comes to securing the Ethereum blockchain. So like I think your inherently flawed state comment is like talking about the morality of distribution and how people access funds and not about like, is this actually going to work as a securing the protocol Ether go up in price argument? Okay, so I think that you brought up some very good points. I think that this model is much better than the existing model, right? But with that being said, Ether doesn't live in a bubble. Ether is living in a world with Bitcoin as well, right? So that means Ether has to be better money than Bitcoin. It ha like You keep saying that Ether doesn't compete with Bitcoin, but I just think that that is completely incorrect. Ether is competing with Bitcoin head-to-head -head in terms of becoming the best money possible, right? You want people to hold this asset. That is your goal, right? There's only, there's, there's always trade-offs on which assets to hold, right? So Ether is competing with Bitcoin. It's also competing with houses. It's also competing with bonds. It's also competing with equities. <laughs> it needs to be a really fucking good store of value, right? And if there's seniorage, that makes it a less competitive store of value than something without seniorage. Now, Not if you can take if part if in the seniorage. <laughs> well, we'll see. Like, again, like you, it, it just depends, right? But you could take part of the seniorage of the existing system right now if you're in a specific situation. And yeah, of course, it's fantastic for you. But you yeah, don't want like it to change at all. 99.99% of us <laughs> cannot do that. Sure, but 99.99% of people can partake in a system without any seniorage, theoretically, with Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, what I'm saying is, like, is, ether, is this model create a more competitive money than Bitcoin? Well, if Bitcoin's assumptions are wrong and Bitcoin breaks, then fuck yeah, it's definitely way better, especially if Ether assumptions aren't wrong and they work and the system can bootstrap and keep going. Um, yeah, it, I mean, honestly, I would prefer it over what the current system that we have. The current system that we have is the utmost of fucked. But when it comes to like now we have to talk about in this world where Bitcoin has not failed, Ether is in direct competition with Bitcoin as well as every other store of value asset out there. 
I don't see this model as being particularly competitive. Like, I think, like, it's better. It could work a little bit, but it just, like, there is seniorage in it. There is a concentration of capital, and that concentration of capital has direct validation, uh, you know, consequences associated with mm-hmm. it. Uh, I think those are a lot of red flags to me. So I think the, the whole seniorage thing is a feature, not a bug. Like, that's going to be why Ether is more bought, more valued than Bitcoin. Like, because you can take in seniorage if you buy Ether is going to be the, the incentive to buy Ether. And so the, the, the difference between, like, not being able to take part in seniorage and being able to take part in seniorage is huge because... Um, like Bitcoin is going to be like, all right, you stack your sats and you have your finite number of sats of your finite number of, of Bitcoins. And then that's it. But Ether is going to be like, all right, you stack your Ether and you also get a passive income. You get a passive return on your Ether. And you don't even need to be staking to do that. Like you can also get your passive return in DeFi. Um, and so it, that's, and this is why I, this is why I always go back to like, you're totally right. Bitcoin and Ether are competing. You can, there's only so much value in the world, but at the same time, Ethereum is building this thing that Bitcoin won't be able to compete inside of. Like Bitcoin won't be able to be inside of Ethereum at the same levels of, of liquidity and, and value as Ether as an asset. And so Ether is always going to be more liquid and valued inside of Ethereum. And so Bitcoin doesn't, doesn't compete in that space. And so the more things that are more applications inside of Ethereum that use Ether are things that know that there's no other currency competing for that spot and so like that's what i mean when i say bitcoin and ethereum aren't aren't competing like bitcoin wants to be the hard cap finite supply proof of work ethereum wants to be the smart contract proof of stake um application yeah blockchain like and and because that we are moving away from having similarities into being polar opposites in that we are polar opposites we are not competing at those ends of the spectrum bitcoin will never compete for ethereum in a, in a proof of stake system in the same way that like Definity or EOS is. That's what I mean by that. All right, guys, there is a new lending platform on the scene uh, providing surprisingly good lending rates for specifically stable coins, but also all other cryptos as well. Celsius Network, it's an app on iOS and Android. If you put your crypto in it, you get a return. Uh, we've been talking about DeFi a lot on this podcast. And so maybe you're asking like, well, why would I do that? And that's because at least the die lending rate on Celsius right now is 3% higher than on compound. Uh, and so their, their, their rates are pretty competitive. Uh, so download the app Celsius network on Android and iOS and see if those interest rates, uh, pique your interest. Yeah, guys, uh, really excited to bring on this new sponsor and in particular, uh, this sponsor is trying to do their best to be better than just a regular uh, centralized financial institution. They're all about profit sharing uh, the interest rates back to the users, and they're just trying to keep users in mind. Uh, revolutionize in revolutionize innovative. <laughs> they are a revolutionary and innovative uh, take on banking. So check them out. Check out Celsius Network. And when you do, use promo code POV and get $10 of BTC when you deposit 200 bucks into their uh, savings accounts. Um, again, they have a bunch of different options and they really stack up well against their competitors for pretty much all stable coins, pretty close to 10, um, 10% annual um, return on investment and uh, you know, pretty, pretty comparable 
uh, lending rates as well. So they do lending as well as interest accounts. Uh, so uh, check out Celsius Network, guys, and POV as the promo code. Yeah, so I was at Blockstack yesterday, and Andreas Antonopoulos gave a very interesting talk about how there will be no chain. There will not be just one chain. There will be many chains, and they'll all interoperate, and everyone gets a chain, and a bunch of stuff like that. I agree with that. Because it's all going to be side chains to Ethereum. It's all going to be Ethereum plasma chains, side chains, like whatever. Like it's that's what Ethereum is for. There's going to be one network that hosts a bazillion chains, and it's all going to connect back to Ethereum as a Supreme Court. And then there will also be Bitcoin. And there's so there's going to be one mega chain network thing that's Ethereum. This fractal, this chain fractal system, the and then there's shit. one. The high, the <laughs> until it becomes not shit. And then there's Bitcoin, which is like chain, like block, 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 block. That's Bitcoin. And then Ethereum is like this mesh network of crazy parallel chains, shards. Some plasma, Bitcoiners would call all, it you know, a dumpster fire. Yeah, I'm sure they would. Yeah, I don't like I call it an economy. I don't know if that isn't necessarily Andreas's vision. Um, he was talking about how he's very interested in lightning because he sees lightning as being a like a kind of like a chain agnostic uh chain agnostic layer that will connect many chains and uh and it will connect into plasma and connect into all of these other things so i think that he sees bitcoin as being an important part of that um massive kind of cluster of uh activity mm-hmm. i can see that Maybe that's how it turns out. Maybe that's how it turns out. But like, let's talk about investment advice. Where is the value going to go, right? I just think it's going to go to sound money. And I'm pretty sure most people are interested in making money and dollar go up or number go up. If you're into making money, you would want to buy the, the, the system that gives you passive income. That's how you make money. It's like, okay, so, you know, you can get, like, passive beanie babies or you can have the hardest <laughs> or you can have the hardest money in the world. That's like, it's like, yeah, it has passive income. You know, it's like, that, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, that's, that's like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, we're going to make the world amazing. Like, wh- yeah, that's the plan. What? Like, like you, you can shit like, on Ethereum until, until like, all the rest of the world has these applications that are extremely relevant for them, and they all have to buy Ether to use it. Like, and then it's, does it still Beanie Babies? I mean, shit, one Ether is $160. Like, that's already an expensive Beanie Baby. And you can't make any more faster than the pro- algorithm will allow you to. Theoretically. And on this note, this I think this is a good time also theoretically to, for Bitcoin. I think this is a good time to transition into an updated Ethereum two spec. Uh you wanna give the people the breakdown on uh this new sharding uh thing that Vitalik released like two days ago? Yeah, well so it's not there's nothing new, it's just a reorg of some numbers. Uh and so what they've done is instead of having a thousand twenty four shards that are like let me pause. Let me pause and pull up the spec. Okay, so here, here's the, the recap. Um, there is no longer a concept of a persistent shard chain. Instead, every shard block is a direct crosslink. Prop, uh, proposer proposes, crosslink committee approves, done. 
here's the big change. Shard count is reduced from 1,024 to 64. Shard block size is increased um, from a 64 cap to a 512 cap uh, kilobytes. Uh, and so they've cut down the number of shards cut by 1 16th, so 16 times less. And then they've uh, added eight times the capacity uh, per shard. So we were total capacities down 50%. Uh, and then what happens is that this makes it really easy for cross-linking. And so uh, cross-linking is when you're talking, making transactions or calls or whatever between shards. And so now everything is all quote unquote like synced up. Uh, and so the metronome that is the beacon chain of the whole shard system is now aligned with um, uh, but up, but up, like these cross-link blocks or cross-link cross transactions. They all happen at the same time. And so now every single block you are able to then reference other um, other shards uh, instantaneously, rather than having to wait for like a a specific kind of block. I don't like I'm terrible at this, but a specific kind of block that who now can explain enables, this better? Yes, yeah, so if you can explain this better, come on to the show. Um, Is it Eric? So, can we get Eric on here? I still want to shit on him. <laughs> Eric, come on here so I can shit on you. <laughs> oh, I hope he just thinks challenge accepted. Maybe not. <laughs> he just Let's doesn't go. give a shit about anything not Ethereum. Um, so it basically it enables, um, <laughs> it enables cross uh, cross shard communication better, faster. Uh, and so, like the big criticism about Ethereum two is that it breaks composability, which is not true. It just doesn't scale composability. Uh, so if like Augur is on one chain and the die contract is on a different chain or a different shard, then that would take some time. But it would just take the same amount of time as we would have in current ETH1 version. So it's not like breaking it. It's just like not scaling it with the way sharding is. Um, and so this helps. It's not better. Yeah, just, yeah, it's just not better. But this this does make it uh, better by a little bit, um, a decent amount. Um, so yeah. is the important question, does this mean that everyone who is building the test net for ETH2 has to start over? No, because it's just simple changes. It's just simple changes to the heartbeat of, of Ethereum. So they're just changing block uh, shard sizes. And I mean, yeah, yes, they have to start over, but it's like the, they're not wasting their work. They're just Is going in good and changing some bet. parameters. I mean, maybe, maybe. So I don't think I don't think you're winning your bet, bro. You guys, this is how the bet goes. Uh, what's Joseph? What's Joseph's last name? Joseph Peters, I think. Yeah, P -I -E -T -E -R -S. Joseph Peters. E R S. Yeah, um, very active member of the Ethereum community. He bet mm -hmm. me a lot more than just ten percent of a Bitcoin on uh, whether the ETH two beacon chain will ship uh, by uh, I think by the end of Q one. So the last day of Q one, we put some specific parameters that are on Twitter, saved over mm -hmm. there timestamped onto the Bitcoin blockchain if you really need to <laughs> go deep. But uh, long story short is I have a bet for 10% of a Bitcoin, which right now is like $700, but uh, in the future could be substantially more um, or substantially less. Who knows? Um, but yeah, the uh, I'm putting my money that ETH is going to ship late, if at all. And I'm hoping that this means that it's going to be delayed because I don't want to lose that money.
Yeah, I don't know, man. This is this is not that big of a change, and all the other signs about uh, the beacon chain are pretty fucking bullish. Like they they had the first the early version of a beacon chain up and running like two months ago, like six weeks ago, like not the beacon chain, but like a viable shitty beacon chain. So like it's already we've already jumped over the first big hurdle. Well. I got yeah, like and there's five more months or something in your bet. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there, there's some time, but you know, people go on vacation, yeah. shit breaks, yeah. people argue, yeah. specs get changed. Yeah. There's more curveballs <laughs> to come. I, I'm, I'm betting on it. I'm betting on that there's gonna be more curveballs, but we'll see. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm a man of my word, and I'll pay up. Maybe Joseph will uh, come on the show. I think, I think you should offer Joseph like seven pay pay him seven percent now and as a mercy rule and get out of the bet fuck no fuck no i'm gonna go out in flames baby (laughs) you're gonna pay all ten percent yeah i'm gonna pay the whole fucking bitcoin if i lose wait so if if you if joe wins he receives die right huh here's if if joe wins he receives ten percent of the value of a bitcoin in die is that correct yeah, so let's say Bitcoin's worth uh, $100,000, then mm-hmm. 10% would be $10,000, so I would give him 10000 die. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask Joe what exchange he's going to go buy Ether on when he receives that die, so I can take a little a little screenshot of the price spike on that exchange, and I'll send it to you, and it'll be Christian's price spike in Ether. Yep. Yo, so I actually got a bounce right now, uh, but okay. this was a fun conversation. Was that, um, was that all of our topics? Uh, I think so. Uh, yeah, no, that was all of our topics, so we hit them all. Cool. All right. All right. I'll catch you later, homie. Goodbye, hey, sir. Hey, wait. Let's let's do a good uh, a real sign off. You guys, make sure to follow right. the show at POV Crypto Pod. Make sure to follow me at CK underscore Snarks. Where can people find you, homie? Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Medium. Please give us those five star reviews. We love them. We're addicted to them. We value them more than Bitcoin. So please go Let me in tell you how to do it. So this is how you do it. You, you go into the Apple app, you click on POV Crypto, you scroll to the bottom, and then there's this five-star thingy. Click on the fifth star. Don't fat finger it. No four stars. <laughs> no four stars. If you really feel generous, click on write a review and say something mm-hmm. super fucking nice. And if you are a pro, you will do this with two phones. You're going to grab your girlfriend's phone. You're going to do this twice at the same time. At two at the same time. Hey, let's go. If you do multiple, ping us on Twitter. We'll send you some stats. Let's go. Peace.